This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by Financially Fit Business. Go to www.financiallyfit.business to analyze your monthly financial statements, grow your business profitably, and build wealth in less than 10 minutes a month. Thank you for joining us. Here's how we will help your business and you today. Workers' comp. Yuck. However, we must have it. It's expensive. Well, getting hurt on the job is even more expensive. So how do you classify workers properly? How do you make sure that your audits are done properly? How do you make sure that your workers' comp program is the most effective that you can so that your mod factor stays low? My guest, Kevin Ring, is the leader workers' com- excuse me, is a lead workers' compensation analyst at the Institute of Work Comp Professionals. He's going to answer these questions and more for you. Kevin, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thanks so much for having me, Ruth. It's great to be here. Oh, my pleasure. So how did you get into the workers' comp world? It's not like it's the, hey, mom, I want to go to school and do workers' comp. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that is a long story, but it's uh, it's similar to a lot of folks in the insurance business uh, in that it was a, a family connection. Um, my wife and I uh, met and got married and her father has been in the insurance business uh, since the mid to late 50s, uh, which he got into because his dad was in the yep. insurance business. And I was actually uh, an IT guy uh, back in the day and got brought into the Institute uh, in its first couple of years to help with that. And over time, I uh, grew into workers' compensation. And it really fits how my brain works because in, in insurance, much like in IT, uh, you know, everything has to be done just right to make sure that it uh, works correctly. And uh, I've just, you know, fallen in love with it over the last 22 years or so that I've been doing it. Cool. So isn't workers' comp required in every state? With the exception of Texas, which is the one state where no one has to buy workers' comp, uh, workers' compensation is required for all or nearly all businesses in every other state. Some states, uh, I'll use North Carolina, which is my home base as an example, uh, you need to have three or more employees in order to be required to have it. Uh, But even for those smaller businesses, uh, it's always going to be our recommendation that people carry it simply because of the protection that it offers, uh, which you really can't get anywhere else. Well, yeah. I mean, if you don't have it and somebody gets hurt, forget it. You're SOL. Excuse me for saying it that way, but you are. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in a really bad spot. And, you know, insurance in general uh, is there to uh, to help you navigate when when you suffer a disaster, whether that's, you know, crashing your car or one of your employees being injured. Uh, and while it, it can be expensive, although it's probably the least expensive that it's ever, ever been in the 112 year history of workers comp in this country, um, it's dramatically less expensive than having to write the checks for it yourself. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right. So if you think about your ideal 
contractor, the one who does the best workers' comp program, what type of contractor comes to your mind? What an interesting question. I would say the answer is, this answer is probably true of, of both contractors and other types of, of businesses. And, and that is a business that uh, A, really values its employees uh, as opposed to treating them as interchangeable parts uh, because one of the components and probably the most difficult thing from from my side of the equation, kind of on the insurance business side, uh, is that if if the boss hates their employees, the employees probably feel the same way. And when someone gets hurt, all of the uh, the things that an employer and an injured employee really need to do together to navigate that become much more difficult when it's an adversarial relationship. Things like you know, bring an injured worker back to work before they're capable of doing their their full job. If your employee hates coming to work for you every day, you're going to have a heck of a time uh, convincing <laughs> them to come to work when they can't do whatever it is you hired them to do. So, so that's the the first piece. The second piece, and this is most important for contractors. Uh, and it's going to go into something you mentioned in the intro, which is classifications, uh, is you need to keep really, really good records. Uh, because with contractors specifically, uh, the type of work you're doing from job to job may change the classifications that are applied to that work. And if if the premium auditor shows up at the end of your policy and all you have is I paid Kevin $50,000 last year, not, you know, we paid Kevin for three weeks to hang drywall and we paid Kevin for another three weeks on a different job to, to lay brick and, and whatever else, uh, then the auditor is going to have to put all of Kevin's payroll in the uh, most expensive classification that relates to anything that he did through the entire year, even if, if he only did that for one day. Uh, and so keeping good records is, is really, really important. Yeah. Um, one of my clients who now has sold their businesses, one of their employees got hurt um, on the job and they have a very, they had a phenomenal company. They weren't the one where the employees hated coming to work. He couldn't wait to get back to work. So what they ended up doing with him is they put him in dispatch. And for those of you who are listening are probably laughing your heads off because he, you know, he was a tech. He was an installer. He, you know, he thought the dispatch people sat on their butts all day and did nothing like most of them think. And he, when he could not wait to get back to his job <laughs> and he told all the guys, you have no clue. And they never had a problem with dispatch understanding, you know, vice versa, because he actually provided the glue between the two, which was an unexpected benefit of being, you know, halfway back to work. So, but right, yeah. right. And that's that's a fantastic story of of one of the unintended positive consequences that brings people back to work or, or when you bring people back to work on top of the, you know, expected positive consequences of uh, the ultimate cost of the injury being lower, which ultimately leads to a a smaller impact on your uh, experience mod, which is a, 
a big, big concern for a lot of contractors. Yeah, absolutely. So before we take a break, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how do they do that? Uh, so you can uh, you can find our primary website at workcompprofessionals.com. Uh, we also have a, a new program, which hopefully uh, by the time this airs, I'll have gotten around to updating our website to link to it. <laughs> but we um, earlier this year, we released a, our first program ever specifically built for employers uh, because our primary business has always been working directly with insurance agents. But uh, folks can learn more about that workers' comp training program for employers at lockedandloadedtraining.com. You can also reach me at kevin at workcompprofessionals.com or at 828-274-0959. We will be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Imagine you had total freedom. You didn't have to worry about money. You didn't have to be a slave to your business. The words, I can't, are eliminated from your vocabulary. What if you could do what you want to do whenever you want to do it? A financially fit business could give you that freedom. How? By knowing what your financial statements are telling you and taking action based on what they say. You can do this in less than 10 minutes a month at an investment of less than taking your family out to dinner once a month. And if your financial statements are a mess, you can get help. Go to www.financiallyfit.business or click on the QR code below to get started today. We're back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm speaking with Kevin Ring, who is, well, a fascinating individual who got into workers' comp, and he's the He's the lead workers' comp analyst at the Institute of Work Comp Professionals, which is workcompprofessionals.com, if you want to reach him there, too. So we, we're we going to have this conversation, and I'm in, I have invited Kevin to come back to continue it. But we think the, probably the most important thing to talk about next is mod factor. So, Kevin, why don't you take it from here? Well, Let's let's start at the the beginning, which is the purpose of the experience modification factor, and it's it's been around quite nearly as long as workers' compensation, um, and the purpose of the experience modification factor is to use your history of employee injuries uh, to compare you against other businesses like yours. Uh, in order to modify your pricing. So if, you're, if your injury performance is uh, below average, uh, so worse than average, uh, then you would get a surcharge uh, on your, your premium. If you are better than average, uh, then you would get a credit. And it is purely designed as a pricing tool for insurance companies. And uh, there's... I don't know, there's a dozen or so different rating bureaus uh, around the country that, and they, they, some of them have different uh, approaches to the problem, but no matter who's doing it, uh, the goal is the same. And, but the reason that, uh, that I, I brought this up in our uh, prep is that, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, the experience mod is often used in construction to qualify subcontractors. 
years. And this is a completely inappropriate use of the experience mod. And, and this is not Kevin saying this, although I'm going to share my opinions about this, uh, but the National Council on Compensation Insurance, which uh, many of your listeners probably know as NCCI, because mm -hmm. that's the name on their experience mod worksheet, uh, along with the Indiana Compensation Rating Bureau, have both put out statements uh, about how this is an inappropriate use of the experience mod. And in fact, if you look at the very, very small print at the bottom of an NCCI worksheet in the copyright notice, uh, it even has language saying that uh, the only authorized use for this information is in the pricing of insurance policies and any other use is prohibited. Uh, now, until NCCI hires as many attorneys as they have actuaries, <laughs> I, don't, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> I don't think that practice is going to change. Uh, but but I think it's worth asking the question, if, if you are a, a contractor that hires subs and uses the mod as a qualifier, what is it that you're trying to accomplish in using the mod that way? And I suspect the answer would be quite simple. The answer is we want to hire safe subcontractors. And that is a 100% valid and worthy goal. You certainly do not want someone coming on your job and then your job winding up on the local news because something terrible happened to the employee of one of your subs. But if the mod isn't isn't the right avenue to solve that problem, uh, then, then what is? Uh, and for us, we feel that the answer is, uh, is in their OSHA statistics. Uh, so the, the experience mod, if, if we said there's a, just a generic $50,000 employee injury on your experience mod, I can't tell you what that's going to do to any individual company's mod without seeing their specific information uh, because the impact that's going to have on your modifier is going to depend on your payroll what classifications are applied to that payroll and so you'll sometimes see a very small company i actually saw something like this this morning where a, a single injury that was only about seventeen thousand dollars uh, took their experience mod from the high 80s into, I think it was about 115. Ouch. Where, whereas a company with several million dollars in payroll probably would have only seen a three or four point jump uh, because of that injury. Uh, on the other hand, uh, almost all contracting businesses are going to be required to keep OSHA records. And there are, um, are OSHA, there are, there are calculations that you can do with your OSHA uh, recordables that are leveled to per 100 full-time equivalents. So you have things like uh, the DART rate, which is days away in restricted time uh, per 100 employees. You have the total recordable incident rate, uh, which is another uh, another metric that you can use. And there are uh, if you Google DART rate calculator or TRIR calculator, there are dozens of websites out there that will help you uh, calculate this. And it's really very simple. I think it's the uh, the number of incidents that you had um, plus the number of hours work divided by, I think it's 200,000 because that's the number of 
of hours that 100 full-time equivalent employees work in a year. But the point is that that someone's days away in restricted time rate, if they have 10 employees, you can look at their DART rate and compare it directly against a similar company that has 100 employees that you're looking to hire to do the same work. And you can't do that with the experience mod. They are simply not directly comparable in that way. And, and what we see is that small contractors that are are perfectly capable of doing the work and may even be uh, the best solution for a hiring contractor uh, are often left out in the cold because uh, they've had you know one or two injuries over the generally three years that are included on the experience mod. Uh, and and like I said before, it's it's just an inappropriate way uh, to use that metric and and we think there are better ways to solve that problem. You and I both like have a tendency to agree with you. All right. So as I promised all of you, Kevin's coming back. And I think probably when we get together next time, let's talk about ensuring that the audits are done right. Because you told me that 75% of them are incorrect. Yes. Uh, yeah. 75% or more of premium audits are incorrect. And that number is probably even higher when it comes to contractors because of the uh, complexity of properly classifying the payroll inside of a construction business. And so that would be a fantastic uh, conversation and and one that uh, your listeners will probably want to forward to their insurance <laughs> agent because we're going to yeah. Yeah, because because we're going to we're going to need the agent's help in navigating this because figuring out what class codes can apply to your business is something that is challenging uh, to to really figure out without an expert's help. Cool. So until next time, give everybody the website again and your phone number again, please. Uh, so workcompprofessionals.com uh, and 828 828- Two seven four zero nine five nine. Kevin, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks so much, Ruth. I've enjoyed it. I have too. And thank you all for joining us. Choose one thing you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money, too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.